Hello and welcome. You are listening to Patrick Boyle on Finance, a podcast exploring ideas from quantitative finance, examining events occurring in markets right now and financial history to see what lessons can be taken away, including interviews with some of the most interesting people in the world of finance. To learn more about the podcast, visit onfinance.org. Welcome back, everyone. A quick follow up on the Evergrande story to discuss how the Chinese property collapse could affect property prices in the rest of the world and in London in particular. The biggest Chinese developers don't just build in China, many have developments all around the world. So in today's piece, we'll discuss their international investments and how they might be affected by deleveraging. As I'm sure most of you know, Evergrande is China's second largest property developer and the world's most indebted real estate developer. They've been all over the news recently, having sparked fears across global markets two weeks ago when they missed an important interest payment deadline on their offshore debts. This wasn't classified as a default as there's a 30-day grace period on that coupon payment. Then last week, another smaller Chinese developer, Fantasia, defaulted on an offshore bond. And more troublingly, we learned that Fantasia also defaulted on a $100 million loan to Country Garden, which is China's largest property developer. The fact that these struggling real estate companies are lending to each other makes contagion within the industry more of a risk. There's been a problem for some time with excessive leverage in the Chinese economy and in the real estate sector in particular. And Chinese regulators have been trying to reduce the economy's over-reliance on debt. Their main approach has been to implement the three red lines policy for property developers, which came into effect in August 2020. The three red lines were hard limits on three leverage ratios for these companies. The new policy meant that not only could these developers no longer borrow any additional funds, but they were actually required to pay down their debts. This required them to sell assets, often at fire sale prices. This, of course, caused a spiral as the losses on those sales only made their debt ratios look worse, putting further pressure on them to deleverage further. Evergrande right now is the largest firm that's struggling the most, but the pain being inflicted by the three red lines on Chinese property developers is much more widespread. It would appear that these problems amongst Chinese property developers could be spreading to the rest of the world and to their projects in London in particular. According to the FT, a UK property consultant claims to have been contacted by a UK regulator with concerns about the risks of contagion in London. The big question is whether the Chinese will restrict investment overseas, he said. That would be a pretty big crisis in the UK and elsewhere. We'll discuss that statement in greater detail near the end of the video. The London residential real estate market has been struggling since 2014, and high-end apartment prices in central London are down around 22% since the summer of 2014, according to Savills. There are a few reasons for this. There have been new taxes on foreign buyers. There's been political uncertainty due to three general elections over that time period. There are worries about the impact of Brexit and, of course, the COVID pandemic and the move to working from home has not helped urban property prices anywhere. 
over that period, a lot of Chinese money poured into London real estate, with the deal value having peaked in 2017. So far this year, there's been no Chinese investment in central London, according to Real Capital Analytics. And this, of course, makes sense as these developers are not going to expand internationally when they're under pressure from Beijing to cut their leverage. So what kind of deals have we seen over that period? Well, in 2014, Greenland Group, a Chinese property developer, announced that they would build Europe's tallest residential tower in Canary Wharf. They paid £84 million, or around $115 million, for the plot of land. They laid the foundation for the building, but all construction came to a halt shortly thereafter. Country Garden, China's largest developer by sales, bought a site in East London for £80 million, a bit over $100 million, back in 2018, with plans to create a £400 million development of almost 800 homes. So far, nothing's been built. R&F Properties in 2017 paid close to £500 million, or around $700 million, for a site in Nine Elms in southwest London, which remains unfinished. The developers claim that Beijing's crackdown will have no effect on the development, saying that they're not heavily indebted and that their projects are fully financed. They are, however, as of June, in breach of all three of China's red lines. According to a London-based property developer, the stresses these developers are experiencing in London are not just down to their need to reduce their leverage or down to a weak London property market. The developer argues that before the recent turmoil in China, most Chinese developers that began building in the UK had fairly disastrous results. They paid an awful lot for the land, struggled with construction costs and really struggled with sales. This is only so much of a surprise and you see this all the time in almost every industry where a company has been very successful in their home market and they assume that they'll be equally successful in a very different foreign market only to find out that conditions there are quite different to what they're used to. When newly arrived foreign property developers consistently outbid English property developers for real estate projects in London, the only two explanations are either that for all of their inexperience, they nonetheless understand the London housing market far better than the locals do, or that they're overpaying. They could be overpaying because conditions in their home market allow them to ignore profit considerations in favour of prestige. We saw this in the 1980s with Japanese property investors overpaying for trophy assets around the world. Japanese investors bought the Empire State Building, for example, only to suffer losses in the long run. A number of UK developers have described being constantly outbid by Chinese developers in land sales between 2013 and 2018, saying that if you were up against a Chinese developer, you knew it was inevitable that you wouldn't get the site. As the challenges have mounted in London and apartment prices have fallen, Chinese investment in London development sites and property has tailed off dramatically. The pressing question now is not whether the Chinese will continue to come, but if they'll leave altogether. Greenland, who are building the Spire building in Canary Wharf, insists that they have no plans to sell the project and that they intend to take the development forward as a high-quality landmark project, responding to the ongoing residential demand in London's Docklands. 
They do say that they are considering pulling away from their other London scheme, a residential development on the site of an old brewery in Wandsworth. They're allegedly in conversation with four or five potential bidders and close to exchanging contracts with one for the portion of the site that's yet to be built. Greenland say that any sale would depend on market conditions in London and the quality of offers received. Earlier on, I quoted a UK property consultant who said that the Chinese restricting investment overseas would be a pretty big crisis in the UK and elsewhere. This is not necessarily true. The idea that a country always benefits from foreign direct investment is based on the assumption that productive investment in any country is always constrained by a shortage of capital. That's why when foreigners promise to invest in a country, it's assumed that this will lead to an increase in productive investment. This only happens, though, in certain specific circumstances. Under other circumstances, these inflows can actually be harmful. What matters are the underlying conditions in the country in question. So while Chinese investment can cause developing economies to grow faster, it's less likely to benefit the UK or other advanced economies. In a situation where capital is a scarce resource, foreign investment should cause growth. But because countries like the UK don't suffer from a scarcity of investable capital, the benefits of foreign investment are much more limited. Foreign direct investment helps grow an economy if capital is scarce, if technology is scarce and comes with the investment, if locals have not figured out how to invest profitably, if foreigners systematically overpay, or if the country receiving the investment needs restructuring due to misallocated resources. If Chinese developers stopped buying up sites in the UK to develop, this shouldn't really cause an economic crisis for the country. It would really only be bad for people who own these assets and are hoping to offload them to foreign investors who'll pay more than the assets are worth. Right now, the main effect of Chinese developers being forced to deleverage is that they might be forced to dump their international assets simply because these assets are more liquid and can actually be sold. Often in a crisis, investors dump their highest quality assets first for no reason other than that these are the only ones that can be sold. They find themselves left holding the most toxic assets that were causing the pain to begin with. As I mentioned earlier, central London real estate is down over 20% since 2014. The pound has fallen almost 20% over that same period, meaning that international investors are not doing very well on their London real estate investments. A lot of London homeowners are not feeling as much pain as you might expect, simply because the low interest rate environment means that their mortgage payments have been very low since the financial crisis of 2008. Even if their home has fallen in value, their loss is offset by the fact that their monthly mortgage payment has been significantly lower than what they would have spent on rent over the same period. The real question is, how will things develop going forward? If you found this piece interesting, check out my piece from a few days ago on the Fantasia default, which followed the problems at Evergrande and might be a sign of contagion in the Chinese property market. See you soon. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you're notified when a new episode is posted. 
Thank you to everyone who is supporting this content on Patreon. If you enjoyed this content, you can find more like it on YouTube, on the Patrick Boyle on Finance channel, or follow us on Twitter at Patrick E. Boyle. Thanks for listening. Bye.